Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, everyone. I am Rick Thomas, and we are doing Life Over Coffee. What did you think of that intro? We have changed the intro and outro to our, not just our podcast, but also our videos. Now, some of you are not going to see the intro and outro for the videos for a while now. We have videos stacked up all the way into the middle of January 2023, and so because those videos were already done when we changed from rickthomas.net to Life Over Coffee, it's going to take us a while to go through what we have in queue. We do try to work a little bit ahead, and so uh, most of the new intros and outros you will not hear until the middle of, of January, but anyway, the podcast have changed. And what do you think about it? I trust that you like it. For those of you who are familiar with our old podcast, you know that Tristan, our daughter, when she was 15 years old, she did the outro to the Life Over Coffee podcast. And so it was a little tough giving that up. But we have transitioned to the full brand of Life Over Coffee. And so we have made monumental changes on absolutely, absolutely everything. And if you haven't checked out our website, please go to lifeovercoffee.com. Go over there. Uh, We have had a lot of responses uh, to this website, and uh, they have all been super positive. I'm very appreciative of your uh, feedback. Thank you for the comments that uh, you have provided already. I appreciate your appreciation for uh, what has happened here at Life Over Coffee. I am grateful that you uh, like it. Uh, some have asked who did this uh, for you. And so for those of you who are interested uh, in a podcast, then I would encourage you to check out uh, Clear Marketing. You can Google Clear Marketing. They are the ones that that built the frame uh, for the website that you now see. And if you need a contact or if you can't find them, just let me know and I will be glad to uh, get you a link and put you right in touch with the people that you need to be in touch with. They they did the intro and the outro to the podcast. They did the logo. They did the branding. They built the framework to our website. So all of that is from Clear Marketing. And then our web developer, uh, Jonathan Harris, he's been working with us for about three years now. And so if you want a magic man, if you want someone that can put things together and do uh, everything just superbly on the back end, then I would encourage you uh, to reach out to Jonathan Harrison. We can make that happen uh, as well. But they have done a phenomenal job, and we're very appreciative. We do have a lot of work uh, to do. I'm not sure if you ever have moved millions of words from one place (laughs) to another and thousands of resources plus a monster LMS, a learning management system, and there's so many other moving parts to it. So it's taken us a while to get it all together, uh, but we are slowly putting all the pieces back where they belong as we're creating new content as well. And so thank you so much for your patience. We do have our forums. They are active and they're going. And if you are a supporting member, please um, 
uh, make use of our forums. Uh, reach out to us and, and talk to us, and we would love to engage you uh, on our supporting member forums. If you would like to be a supporting member and have these private conversations about all things sanctification, then we would love for you to be a supporting member. Just go to the join link on our website, and you can be part of our community, and we would love to, to coach, uh, to consult, to give you advice and guidance on uh, different things that's going on in your life and relationships. You can join our wonderful uh, community. I do want to give a shout out to uh, my friend Doug. Uh, he he has started reading my book, Suffering Well. I don't have a copy of it here in front of me, uh, but he started reading my book and he sent me a kind note today saying that he really appreciated uh, what he is reading so far. And so, Doug, if you listen to this uh, podcast, uh, thank you uh, so much for your kind words and, and what God is doing in your heart through the reading of the book, Suffering Well. Uh, for those of you who haven't gotten that book and read it yet, we've heard a lot of good uh, words, uh, a lot of good comments from people about it. And I would love for you to go on Amazon. You can type in Rick Thomas and Suffering Well. That is a go-to book, I think, when it comes to a theology of suffering. And so I would love for you to get that book. All right, so I have a question that I want to ask you. This is going to be a, this could be a really fun um something to think about as you think about your pastor and your local church. And so here's the question that I want to tease out over the next few minutes, and I trust it will be a huge benefit uh, for you. And by the way, you pastors, uh, I, I want you, I mean, perhaps you would want to share this with some of your church folk. I think this would be good for them to think about. But here's the big question that I want to share, and I really want you to give time uh, reflecting over this question, and it, it is this, excuse me, what does your pastor think about when he thinks about you, what does your pastor think about when he thinks about you, church member? Now, does that question sound strange to you? Have you ever thought about that question before? Now, it could be that you belong to a large church. I know many of you do, and, and maybe your response is, my pastor doesn't even know that I exist. That's okay. That's okay. It's not reasonable to expect a pastor to to know 2,000, 3,000 people, not in, a, in an intimate way. But if you are part of a large church, they have other uh, caregivers and spiritual authorities and mentors and, and small group leaders uh, throughout the church. And, and so if you're part of a larger church, uh, you do have someone uh, in spiritual authority who does know you. And so the question the same question would apply. What does that person, that spiritual authority who is closest to you, what does he think about you? Uh, my, my question that I'm asking is similar to what goes through your mind when you think about a special person in your life. Think about somebody, who's special in your life. They've already, it's already come to mind, I'm sure, with most of you. What goes through your mind? Probably a smile, probably gratitude, probably appreciation as you think about that person because that person is, is special to you. Many of you parents, you've thought about uh, your children. 
or a child. I, I, I thought when I asked this question and started working on this article, I thought about our children. And when I think about our children, it, it brings a smile to my face. It brings me joy. In fact, they have heard me say no less than a thousand times that I have no greater joy than to know that you are walking in the truth. And our children have brought great joy to our lives. But the question that I'm asking here is I want to know whether you are a joy to your pastor. And so when your pastor thinks of you or when your spiritual mentor, whoever that person is, thinks of you, this is a great soul-searching query. And perhaps it would be good to maybe go to your pastor this week, this Sunday, and just ask him this question. Say, hey, when you think of me, what comes to your mind? Maybe some of you children <laughs> ought to go to your parents and say, dad, mom, when you think of me, what comes to your mind? Now, where am I getting this question? The, the question comes right out of Hebrews 13, 17. Let me share that with you. The writer of Hebrews says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Now, there's a lot here in this verse, and that's just the first sentence of this verse, and I'm, I'm not going to get into the fact that they're going to give an account for how they shepherd you. I want to get into another part, and that's the second sentence. And the second sentence of Hebrews 13, 17 says this, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And so the Hebrew writer is saying, let your pastors pastor you with joy. Hence, that's where my question comes from. Are you a joy to pastor? Now, some of you who are over 50 years old, you may remember, and I actually get them confused, it's, it's either the Adams Family or the Munsters, uh, but it's the TV show that had Lurch, the big tall butler, uh, in it. Now, some of you will tell me which one it is, and that's fine. But Lurch was a big, tall, butler, monstery kind of dude. And when things were not going swell for Lurch, he would always groan. And somebody in the family would do something kind of dumb, and Lurch would go, mm, and he would just groan like that. That's what I'm thinking about. And when I read this verse, that's what I think about. Does your pastor sound like Lurch <laughs> when he thinks about you? Does he groan? Or does he think it or is he like that parent who has these wonderful children and joy just begins to swell up in his heart and mind and a smile comes across his face, like that special person that you know. And so the question is, are you a joy to pastor? And maybe you don't know. And if you don't, then my, my admonition, my appeal, my encouragement, my double dog dare to you this week is to go to your pastor. I have actually done this before. I've gone to a pastor and said, hey, am I a joy Am I a joy for you to pastor? And maybe sometime I will share that story. It led to a lot of interesting inter interchange. Now, perhaps you belong to a church, but you have not committed to that church. Many of you are in that place. Now, if that's the case with you, 
then I appeal to you to make plans for a more substantial commitment so that that local body, so that that pastor can provide the context and and provide the relationships that you need to receive care, not just you, but maybe if you're part of a family, you have a spouse or children. If, If you're not committed to the local church and you believe that this local church is for you, then you need to commit to it so you can benefit from all the amenities that that local church offers. And I realize that some folks will make the argument and they will talk about the lack of New Testament emphasis on church membership, and I absolutely will not argue with you. I will not disagree with you. I will not disagree with that perspective. I don't have a heavy-handed appeal for church membership as though the New Testament teaches it, but I I do have an appeal, a strong appeal, that we need to be committed to the organization with the expectation of receiving the benefits of that organization. I belong to the Y, and I pay a membership every month. I'm committed to the Y. I have an expectation that they're going to provide so much for me And I have a further expectation that it will help me to maintain my health or even enhance my health. But in order to have that kind of full-on experience, I have to commit to the why. And and the way that they expect me to commit is to pay a membership fee. They have an expectation that I will show up several times a week, and I try to do that. I want to be committed to the why, to the gym, uh, for obvious reasons. Well, the church is like that, and so I don't want to get into an argument of, well, the Bible doesn't teach membership, and, and, and you need to back off on that a little bit. That's not really my point. My point here is, are you committed to this local assembly if you believe that this local assembly is the right fit for you? Now, if you believe that it's not the right fit for you, you, you have other questions, and I'll talk about that uh, in just a moment. And so regardless on your perspective about church membership, does the person who exercises spiritual authority over you at your local church, does that individual groan or expresses joy when he thinks about you? Again, I'm tethering this to uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, and I think it is appropriate to make that application and to ask this Question. The writer of Hebrews tells the local church members to let their pastors care for them with pleasure, with joy, not with groaning. Now, unfortunately, in our modern buffet style mentality, many Christians do not have a healthy, vibrant, and committed tethering to their local churches. Local church commitment for some folks works as efficiently as, as friending and unfriending one another on on Facebook. I commonly counsel people with low views and small commitments to their local churches. And this kind of low view of the church invites sin into their lives because they miss out on the church's body-to-body ministries. It's not unusual to find a connection between low church commitment and personal familial dysfunction. Paul wrote most of his letters to local churches. His appeals for sanctification were not primarily to individuals, but his appeals 
for sanctification was primarily for local churches. You, you can draw, I believe, an accurate assumption from Paul's writings that Christians belonged and were committed to a local church. But that is just not true for too many people in our day. Folks who have come to our supporting member forums over the years, they, some of them, they, they've been here long enough to where they anticipate the question. And so sometimes when they ask the question, some problem in their life, they will say, well, I've already talked to my pastor or I've gone to my church. They, that's a, it's a preemptive thing that they do because they know that we're going to ask that question because it is one of the right questions that we must ask because we are not the local church. We're not trying to build a local church. We are a para-church organization. Para means to come alongside the local church. We have a high view of the local church and believe that that is the primary context outside of our home for sanctification to happen, not at lifeovercoffee.com. And so we can help, we can supplement, we can be an encouragement, but the question is always, when people come to us, what, what did your pastor say? How is your pastor leading you? How is your church helping you? Now, sometimes they aren't a help, and sometimes they aren't leading, and sometimes that is the reason that they come to us, and I do understand that, but that doesn't change our guidance we want them to find a local church if that's not the right one for them because, again, we have a high view of the local church. I want to talk about three common churchgoers that we have in our culture today. The first common churchgoer is the undercommitted. If you attend a local church but your commitment is not active in that local church, I don't know how to make a stronger appeal to you to determine one, determine if your current church is for you, because I do recognize that it might not be. I don't live in some kind of utopian, delusional world that believes that all churches are perfect, and you can just throw a dart on a map and go to the closest church, and you're going to be happy ever after. It doesn't work that way. Finding a good church can be like the proverbial needle in a haystack. I get it. And for those of you who belong to a wonderful local church, this is a time for you to express praise. In fact, this is a time for you to go to your pastor and say, thank you. Thank you. And, and the leadership team for leading us. Thank you for giving us a context where we can flourish, where we can experience sanctification, vibrancy, because it's not, it's not the case for everybody. And so your church might not be the right place for you. It might not be a good fit. But if it is the right church for you, and you're not fully committed to it, then I appeal to you to be fully committed. And one of the ways that you can do this is by allowing them to care for you with joy, with optimism, and with gratitude. When I pastored, before I started this ministry, now some 14 years ago, going on 15 years, that's a decade and a half ago, hard to believe. But when I pastored, and I did for five years, right at five years, I found it especially difficult when someone came to our church, but they would not commit to it. 
Now, we never tried to manipulate anyone into our church, never tried to gaslight anybody into our church. I really did not care if they came to our church or not. What I cared about primarily is that they were in a good church, receiving care, knowing that our church was not the only game in town. And so it wasn't ultimately important that they were at our church, but it was ultimately important that they were in a church, a good church, a gospel-centered church. But when they did come to our church and would not commit to our church, it's hard to care for them. It's really tough. And I have had that conversation uh, with some folks. And I remember one, one lady actually sat in this room where I'm doing this podcast, which used to be our dining room. And she, she wanted our church to be something else that we, we could not be, that we would not be. And it wasn't that her preference was just wrong, but it's just not who we were as a church, and I knew as one of the pastors that we weren't going to become according to her preference. And so I asked her, I said, you know, I don't think that our church is going to be a good fit for you. We would love for you to be here, but I think that you're going to be frustrated because this is really important to you, and it's a tertiary matter to us, and we're not going to make it a primary matter the way that you want. And so I think that you would be better off at another church— and I recommended another church to her in town, a church where I'd done counseling for the pastor that I knew very well. And so I, I said, maybe you would like to go to this church. And she said, in all the years I've been a Christian, I've never had a pastor ask me to leave like that. And she said that in a, a positive way. She was not frustrated by it. She was just like, I mean, you're not like a, a, a used car salesman where we have to sell this car and you have to buy my car and you have to be part of our church. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. We want you to be in the best church that fits for you. Every church has a different personality. And as long as the gospel is being preached, I'm okay with that. And if it's not our church, I'm not hurt. I will be. I will find much joy knowing you're in another church, growing, and you're flourishing in that church where the gospel is being preached. And so she and her husband, the children, they went to that church. And I, I called the pastor and I said, "Hey, you got somebody coming?" And six months later, I called back. I said, "Hey, that couple. We were talking about something else, but I said, "Hey, by the way, that couple that I sent to you, how are they doing?" He said, "They're doing very well. They're flourishing." Praise God. That gave me joy, and I was not even their pastor. And so if the church is a good fit for you, go deep, commit to it, because from a pastor's perspective, it's very hard to pastor somebody that's not committed. It's kind of like going into marriage with one foot out the door. Do you really want to do that? minor to no commitment to a local church. It's akin to a man who, who cuts his leg from his body while assuming that he's going to survive. You can't survive if you are detached from the body or you can't survive well. You will have a pronounced limp if you try to survive outside of the body. Maybe it's analogous to a divorced dad trying to parent his children every other weekend. And even if he wanted to parent his kids well, he, he would not be able to do it because on his best day, he is still a part-time dad. These three illustrations of a marriage with one foot out the door, 
a person who has lost a leg and trying to survive outside the body, or a part-time dad because of divorce. These are self-sabotaging abnormalities. But some Christians do not see anything wrong with spiritual disconnectedness from their local church. And so this first type of churchgoer is what I am calling the undercommitted. And then we have the committed. If you have a high view of the local church evidenced by your consistent commitment to it, do you let your pastor care for you with joy? How do you know? How do you know that your pastor is full of joy or if your pastor is like Lurch where he is just full of groans when when he thinks about you? What if you ask your spiritual authority how he thinks about you? That could be your small group leader. This could be a fantastic conversation in a small group where 10 or 12 of you get together And each one of you go around the room and you ask the small group leader, hey, what do you think about me? Am I a joy for you to uh, shepherd, to care for in this small group? This kind of feedback gives you an excellent opportunity to serve your pastor, to serve your mentor, your spiritual authority, your small group leader, but not just serve them but to draw closer to them because that has to stir up conversation. And then as you draw closer together, imagine now what you two can do together, cooperating together, impacting the rest of the body, spreading that kind of commitment, that high view of the local church. As this pastor shepherds you with joy and you're drawn together and now you are impacting both of you back to back serving the body, working together as a cohesive union, and then more like-minded people grow, come together. Now we're all standing back to back and and ministering outwardly toward other people within the church and also evangelistically out in the community. Maybe you can think about it this way. Imagine if your child came to you and asked similar questions. I was talking about that earlier. If your child came to you and said, hey, dad, Am I a joy for you to to parent, Mom? Am I a joy for you to to parent? Uh, Imagine if your child had no greater joy than to bring joy to you. Wouldn't that be awesome? Many of you have children. For some of you, it grieves you, and I, I, I know that. I understand that. That is a tough place to be because your child is not bringing you joy. Uh, for reasons that are outside of your control. Maybe there are some things that you can do, but nevertheless, your child is not bringing you joy. Well, a pastor would feel identical if you sought to step up to that personal responsibility by asking these questions. The local church is like a spiritual hospital. It is the God-ordained context where God's people can find spiritual help in their time of need. But the local church is the sum of its parts. And if there are parts who don't commit to the local church, those parts will weaken the entire body. A little leaven leavens the entire lump. And so there's a second type of churchgoer, and that is the committed, and I trust that, that you are. And then there's a third type of churchgoer. I'm calling them the free radicals, a little 
medical term terminology here. Free radicals are molecules that that cause aging tissue damage and possibly disease. These molecules are unstable. And what happens with free radicals, kind of what's implied in the name, is that they look to connect with other molecules so that they can collectively destroy the vigor of the body. And that's a detrimental process. I trust that you're not a free radical connecting and collecting with other free radicals, sabotaging the, a, a local church. The uncommitted church attendee appears to be part of the body, but is not. And in some of those cases, it's not just a low commitment to the local church, but they are, they are free radicals. My appeal for you and me and our family and your family is make your local church healthy by fully commit, committing to it. If you need to reconsider your church because you're not sure it's the right fit to you, then one of the things that you can do is type the word church in our search feature on our website. There's a little magnifying glass in the top right-hand corner of our website. If you click on it, a bar will open up, and there will be a space where you can type in words and phrases. And I, I would encourage you just to type the word church. And if you do, there will be an entire list of articles. I have written a ton uh, on the church. It's some of those millions of words that we're bringing out of the garage to put in our new home at lifeovercoffee.com. But you will find enough to help you. Perhaps you can type find a church. The briefer, the better. And so type find a church or how to leave a church. Maybe you want to write something a little more severe or like spiritual abuse because there are significant issues that you perceive in your local church. But whatever it is, your church is not a good fit. There's, there's, it's not passing the smell test then go to our search feature and just type in various words and phrases, and I would start with the word church because we have scores of articles on the local church, including what to look for, including how to leave, including spiritual abuse, and so much more. Finding the right church is not a simple process. For some of you, as you either watch the video or listen to the podcast, you can feel consternation just kind of building up in your soul because it's like, I tried. You haven't been to my town. I know. I understand. Uh, we do have this community here, and we do get uh, we do get a lot of those comments. And I, I know that that is difficult. And, and my intent here is not to add to your stress, not to add to your difficulty. And so I recognize as I talk about something that is very good, being a joy to your pastor, I, I know that uh, when, it's like when you drop the rock in the pond and it creates a ripple effect. And, and the, the farther you get away from the central point that I'm trying to make here, uh, it can become more challenging for some of you. And I do understand that. And I'm sorry for that. But if you are in the right church, if you have found the right church, it's worth, to, it's worth the effort. Uh, not just to find one, but to jump in with both feet. The local church is the dearest place on earth outside of our homes for sanctification to happen. So I've titled this, Dear Pastor, Do You Groan? 
when you think of me? That's the question. Would you be willing to ask your pastor or spiritual authority this week? Here's a few questions as I wrap up. Number one, how would you rate your commitment to the local church? And then the follow-up is, why did you answer that way? Now, if you have a close friend, it it might be worth your time to have that conversation. Uh, Ask them to assess your commitment to the local church. How do you perceive me as it pertains to my commitment to the local church? Uh, If they have the courage and, and, and do have that peripheral vision of you, and they're willing to, with compassion, speak truthfully to you, maybe that would be a wonderful iron sharpening iron, spur one another on to love, to loving good deeds conversation. And so question number one, how would you rate your commitment to the local church? Why did you answer that way? Number two, will you pray over Hebrews 13, 17? The verse that I shared with you earlier, would you pray over that? Asking the Spirit of God to provide insight about you and your local church. And so take 10 minutes and just sit before the Lord and say, Dear Spirit of God, illuminate my mind. Help me to think clearly about me and the local church, our church, our pastor, our leaders, my commitment of the local church. And then the follow-up is, what do you sense the Spirit is saying to you? How is the Spirit of God illuminating you as you sit before God? Number three, would you be willing to share this article, this podcast, this video, and your prayer thoughts as you have sat before the Lord? Would you be willing to share those things with your pastor or the nearest spiritual mentor? Our content, we're building it out these days, have been for a while in a read, watch, listen format. And so you can read everything that I just shared with you. You can listen to it on a podcast. You can also watch the video. But would you share one of those resources with someone close to you and then your reflections as you have sat before the Lord and have that conversation. Now, I I would encourage you for that to be reciprocal because maybe they need to tweak or at least think about their commitment to their local church as well. Number four, will you ask that person what they think about when they think of you, the pastor, the spiritual authority? And so as you go to them, ask them what they think about when they think of you. And then number five, specifically ask them, I want to really put a bow on it here and, and, and get right to the finest of points, specifically ask them if you are a joy to care for and a joy for them to lead. Thank you so much for listening. If we can serve you in any way, please come to lifeovercoffee.com and you can read, watch, or listen to what I've just shared with you. We have thousands upon thousands of resources. They are free to you. They are underwritten by the folks who support our ministry, and so I want you to have them if you want to do a deeper study. Uh, You can also get my book, uh, Change Me. You can find it on Amazon as well. Uh, Just type Rick Thomas and Change Me into the Amazon link, and they will ship it right to your door. And you can read it as my friend Doug is reading uh, Suffering Well. And then you get on our website and check out our free resources. We also have a mastermind program. It's an all-online discipleship, biblical counseling training course that may be a good fit for you. And so I'd love for you to check that out as well. Thank you so much. Dear Pastor, do you groan when you think of me? God bless. 
Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.